0: The Inside Vegas Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented to you by MyBookie.ag. Right now, for football season, MyBookie.ag is offering you up to $1,000 in free bets using the promo code SGP. That's right, $1,000 in bonus bets for your first deposit when you use the promo code SGP. Play, win, and get paid at MyBookie.ag. And we're also brought to you by Amazon. Log on to SportsGamblingPodcast.com, click the Amazon banner, bookmark that link, and use it every time you shop to score some sweet savings. Help the podcast grow, and, as always, get yourself a nice inside vegas tea, sportslivingpodcastcom dot com slash Amazon. NBA season is in full swing, upcoming starting Tuesday, October 22nd. And as we were talking off air, this is a wild NFL, see where my brain is, a wild NBA season, (laughs) unlike the likes of many that we have seen. And who else would we have on to break down the NBA? And that is, dear friend of the program and the Sports Gaming Podcast as a whole. Oil capper, my friend, how are you in sunny California?
1: Oh, I could not be better, man. It's about that time of year where I'm overthinking the NFL as it is. Uh, So it's perfect timing to start incorporating some NBA day by day, game by game betting. And um, you said it right, man. This year in the NBA should be fantastically interesting. A lot of uncertainty. uh, And uh, yeah, I'm ready to get uh, I'm ready to get into this.
0: I think the last time that we talked on kind of an NBA pro or NBA show was when we were talking about tank a Palooza, man. And you know, yeah. I don't know that I'll ever forget what happened in that magic game specifically with those refs that we were going back and forth with at the end of last oh my year. God. Um, but that comes down to one thing, man. And you know, maybe more than any other league, maybe besides major league baseball, the NBA is good at one thing and that is narrative. And so I want to get, you know, this is a soap opera to me, man. And it's awesome in some aspects as you know, as a narrative based handicapper like myself, but um, I want to get kind of your, you know, overarching theme that you uh, are seeing, whether it be from, uh, the off season or how these teams are being constructed with so many wild moves, man. What is your thoughts on this season you know, as a whole and what people should kind of look out for as this, the story unfolds?
1: Yeah. Great setup. So this is okay. So we, last year, last year was kind of like, and closing a chapter, right. Or ending the novel. And we enter a new, uh, you know, there's going to be a completely new narrative written on the league this season uh, that I don't think we entirely know how it goes yet. So this is kind of like you pick up some new fiction and you're really not sure, you know, what it's all about. But it's intriguing. It's interesting. You have some idea because you like the author. Like this is, you know, the the, the dynasty is over uh, finally for the Warriors. This is not their league anymore uh we've broken up the uh we've broken up the unbeatable super team uh Kevin Durant obviously Achilles injury in the finals out for likely for the entirety of this season small chance he comes back for the playoffs for the nets but we probably don't see him until uh fall of 2020 uh and um yeah the the familiar faces on the warriors Iguodala's gone um they have will be playing most of their season without clay Thompson who's coming off an ACL uh, so this is uh really opened the door wide open for some new team to come in and, uh, you know, assert themselves as the alpha in the NBA. And, you know, the last like 10 years, it's been mostly just kind of passing of torches kind of as like teams were building, you know, as the, the, he built the super team to start with. And then other franchises figured out like, okay, we can do the same sort of thing. If we, you know, bring a bunch of talent here and, you know, we're going to see, That exact narrative tested with the Lakers this year, uh, putting uh, LeBron James and Anthony Davis together. Uh, We're going to see that narrative tested with the Clippers this year, putting Kawhi Leonard and Paul George together. Uh, And then on in the Eastern Conference, it's really like two teams that showed a ton of promise last year that couldn't quite get past the super duper star Kawhi have a chance to fight it out for their first ever appearance in the NBA finals with the bucks and the, uh, in the Sixers. So there's a lot of fascinating stories to kind of keep an eye on. And we're going to learn a ton about these teams over the first third of the season. But as we sit here and look at these two uh, conferences, now you have an East that is very clearly, um, stars and scrubs, right? Like there are some really, really weak teams in the East. overall it's weaker than the West. Uh, and there are some teams that are especially weak. Uh, And then there are some teams that look like world beaters uh, that are going to be truly contending for the title. Uh, Whereas in the Western conference, there's kind of like an enormous fat middle. (laughs) Like there's not a clear and obvious regular season dominant team that's going to run away with the most wins. Uh, And, you know, there's at least eight, if not 10 reasonable uh, you know, teams that have a reasonable shot at uh, at winning the West, which is crazy because you know, anytime we would have done a preview in the last, I don't know, eight years, we pretty much knew, you know, from Jump Street it was going to be the Spurs or it was going to be the Warriors in the West, and this year it's going to be someone new probably. So, uh, although the Warriors can't be discounted, because Steph Curry can still shoot the lights out, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they uh, how they come together as a team. And uh, as far as narratives go with the Warriors, I'm mostly interested in. Uh, you know, do the other teams around the league still get up to play them because now that they don't have Durant, now that they're down a couple of key pieces, it's basically Steph Curry and Draymond green are the last two left, uh, although they, they're bringing in, uh, you know, they are bringing in, uh, uh, D'Angelo Russell, although I'm not a hundred percent sure how he fits. Um, but yeah, now, now that they're beatable, now that they're vulnerable do teams kind of exact a little revenge. Right. Is this, is this a matter of like, Oh wow. Like finally we can kick these guys and get a little revenge for ruining the NBA for the last five years. Uh, or, you know, do they still have the pieces and the horses and the, you know, the shooting that, uh, that they can, you know, beat out the the lesser teams in the league. So it's going to be a really interesting season and, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's as fun as you can hope for, as you come into it, handicapping, because, you know, you can kind of stake some opinions out here before the season starts and you can be, uh, you can, you can potentially, you know, get some pretty lucrative prices as opposed to just, you know, looking at the title odds and warriors are minus 150 in September, you know, like or October, you know, this is, this is not, uh, this is not today's NBA and it's exciting.
0: Yeah, man, you you hit the nail on the head. and, And as I love narratives in this league, I want to ask you one question because I've heard this theory floated many times, and I want your opinion on it, you know, why do you feel that fans or, you know, betters, I'll say fans more than betters, but feel more of a connection uh, to NBA players, you know, as individuals rather than, you know, oh, NFL is a team sport, baseball is a team sport. And, and even kind of the old school guys, um, you know, don't necessarily feel that. I mean, I know basketball inherently is, but there's so much more, you know, about it's so much more about the individual is just because, you know, it's not 11 on 11, it's, you know, five on five. So one player can, you you know, in theory, shape, what 20%, whatever, you know, a little bit less of the, of an outcome. And so, um, the theory I've heard floated the most is the NBA players in the league wear the least amount of clothing. Now that's going to sound weird, but hear me out (laughs) on this. It's, you know, kind of the one sport, you know, tennis is certainly there, but you know, when you talk about, you know, kind of foreign markets, Europeans, you know, all that type of stuff, you know, in the NFL, you have guys wearing helmets. Some of them wear visors, so you can't see their face. You can you can't really see emotion. There are some guys over the top that you can obviously see that with. Uh, there's pads everywhere. There's sleeve this, sleeve that. And in the, in the NBA, every single camera angle is kind of on someone's you know uninhibited face and showing every emotion and, and you know asking for calls. Do you kind of buy into that, or did, is it just because it's you know a, a five you know, a five on five thing rather than even more? Even though hockey kind of fits in that you know sometimes as well, but a little bit of a different scenario
1: no you're that's a huge huge factor huge and uh, even more so than the fact that you get such a human connection watching the athletes compete and seeing their faces so clearly um the it's it's you know we we're still you, 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 we only have so much bandwidth to kind of take in what's happening in the world of sport you know and it it's it's not just made for superstars and the superstar model that came out of the burden you know, Bird Magic era, and then uh, you know, followed by the Magic. I mean, followed by the uh, the, um, the Michael Jordan era, and the uh, uh, and then kind of passed the torch to Kobe and whatnot, but and LeBron. But you know, th- th- it's made for superstardom because you can see their faces, and because the highlights are so readily shareable, uh, it's perfect medium for something like Twitter, where you want to be like, oh, well, what's going on in the NBA tonight? And you can kind of just cruise through a couple of accounts and see some of the best highlights, the best you know, posterizing dunk. Dumb- and, you know, Steph Curry made this insane shot, you know, it's, it's a perfect kind of ADHD, uh, like, um, you know, sports coverage, uh, of, of the, uh, of the league itself. And because it's certain what single singular players are accomplishing, uh, you know, you can kind of identify more with, Hey, look, that guy needed to get this done and he did it, you know? And like, Oh, he, this guy wanted to do something spectacularly athletic and he did it and look how cool it was, you know, and it's, it's kind of the perfect, uh, perfect sport for that. And I think, you know, generationally it's, it's gaining the fastest by far in the U S as far as viewership and fandom. And, you know, there's uh, you know, there's, there's something for everyone, whether you're kind of a rec league shooter that shoots threes, you can identify with Steph Curry, or if you're, you know, if you're, you know, you know, more of a defensive type of player, you can identify with some of the, uh, you know, guys like, superstars like Kawhi Leonard. And if it's, uh, if you're a wild athlete, you can identify with the LeBron James is out there. So there's something kind of for everyone who's kind of got a tangential connection to basketball. Uh, it's easy to share. It's easy to enjoy the highlights and, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right about the fact that you get to see the, uh, the uh, raw emotion on the player's faces so readily during the contest.
0: Do you think the players and the league as a whole uh, stumbled upon this soap opera narrative or do you, th- and are one happy about it or two, if you asked, you know, a, a, and got a true opinion, uh, they would say that they just want, you know, they wish it was more about the sport because to me, the sport comes second and it's about the, you know, the storylines and what, you know, the friend aspect. I think the last time we saw this in the NFL was probably what uh, Jarvis Landry and Beckham kind of forced in their way to play together. Um, I don't know that we've ever really seen teams for, you know, players in other sports force their way two situations to kind of play with their quote unquote friends. And maybe no, this is never. just a, a, you know, a, an NBA player kind of bond thing. I, I don't know where it comes from. And I guess that's kind of my question is, you know, where do you think that that, you know, why is that so unique to just the NBA and why don't we see it more in other sports?
1: Yeah. Uh, boy, gosh, I guess, uh, it's, it's, it's perfect. There's a perfect cultural, you know, kind of, um, melting pot with the Olympic team right? Like these guys can kind of forge relationships, not just as friends, but as, you know, codependent players, uh, through the, like the U S Olympic program. And so it really gives them kind of the opportunity to kind of network and kind of figure out who they want to play with, who, you know, complements their strengths, who's not going to steal their shine. Uh, and the, the soap opera part of it absolutely is like heavily, heavily, um, you know, steroids injecting into that narrative from the shoe companies and from the, you know, from the main, you know, the um, uh, merchandise uh, surrounding what you can kind of sell the fans, right? And, you know, this is it. If you can, you know, Michael Jordan, you know, paved the ways. If you can, I, you know, if you can set yourself out apart as a superstar in this league, then, you know, you can start to sell merchandise to the tune of you're going to make a hell of a lot more money selling shoes than you even are playing basketball. And so it's, it's kind of, uh, you know, it's kind of easy to, uh, see how agents and corporations and the NBA itself all play up, uh, the narratives and it's in the player's best interest to kind of play along. Uh, make themselves accessible on social media make themselves part of the story so that they're not forgotten so that they're you know that they're kind of at the top of what you think about when you think about the sport itself is you think about lebron james or you think about you know the 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 steph curry and the warriors like you you think about these guys first and foremost when you think about the nba and i think that's all by design because it helps sell helps helps sell shoes
0: (laughs) yeah right <laughs> phil knight loving loving that take man let's transition over into the futures market man and let's get this party started um you know do you i want kind of your take in the futures market i think some people have you know I mean- the, the plus monies, the the individual accolades, of course, what we're going to get into, but we're going to start with season win totals specifically uh, in the East, but this will, this will kind of encompass, you know, the East and the West. Do you, are you a player who likes to play, you know, a, a few more than normal season win totals? Are you not a fan of tying up your money for a minus minus one ten when it could be made on, you know, a, a game in that night at the same return at, you know, not, not, nev- not having to tie up your money or kind of, how do you view the futures market in the NBA kind of as a philosophical handicapper and better?
1: So For sure, in years past, I've been heavily invested in it because there was some pretty obvious and and straightforward advantage plays to be had at the top of the market, right? Like, you could tell relatively early last season that Kawhi Leonard was going to be a difference maker in the Eastern conference and the every other team in the East was going to have a hell of a time competing with them. Now, granted Giannis completely emerged as like a super duper star last year, which was you know not something I expected heading into the season. Um, and it still took, you know, superhuman effort from Kawhi to get to the finals, but that was something that you could pick up pretty quickly. Uh, at the, you know, on early onset, just the fact that they made the trade, the fact that they had a team built around him to, to compete for a title last year was something that was pretty straightforward to pick up on. Similarly, in years past, there was no one that was competing with the warriors. And, you know, you could say, okay, well, yeah, this is kind of like Patriots win the East kind of deal, right? Like this should be priced minus 500 and it's minus 200. So we might as well park some money here. Um, and this year is completely different. Um, and so you have to kind of take more of, I, I would say an NFL like uh, Super Bowl odds sort of approach to this, where these teams are going to go up and down in terms of public perception over the course of the season. Like they're like, as you look at the market now, the Clippers and the Lakers lead the market. And I can tell you for sure that those teams are going to have ups and downs. They're going to have some growing pains early. They have some tough spots in their schedule before we get to Christmas even. And if we know anything about LeBron, he's not really going to give us, you know, a hundred percent until after Christmas anyway. Uh, And so, especially coming off the injury struggles he had last year. So the idea that either the Clippers who are going to be load management galore on Kawhi or the Lakers who are going to be, you know, figuring out their identity through the first half of the season, the idea that they will lead the market from wire to wire, I think is crazy right? So there's no sense in putting money in those teams. Now you're going to find much better prices, uh, at certain points in the season. And you just got to identify when they go through stretches where they're going to, you know, you, you're, you're reading and seeing clips about how their chemistry is coming together and they're, you know, they're going to go on a win streak and they're going against lesser competition. And, you know, that's, that's the time to try to identify by low spots for those teams. If you want to get involved in them, uh, which, you know, and the fact that they're, should be value then across the rest of the market. If there's so much, um, being sucked out of the top here by these big, by these big teams, you know, there, you should be able to find some, some value spots. And, you know, again, as you're shopping this market, your entire philosophy should be, I am making this bet because I think this price is going to get significantly shorter, shorter between here and April. You do not want to be making a bet now just because you're like, ah, I got a feeling these guys win. And I'm going to put this money in and I'm going to sit on it for eight months. Like that's insane. Like you absolutely have to kind of be treating this as value, uh, value purchases and, uh, you know, and, and gaining value on these, on these tickets that's it there yeah that's
0: it you know that's my you know. my backbone of philosophy and futures man i only place preseason yeah, when i think the market was sure in this is the first year of my life i haven't placed the warriors to win the west <laughs> and the warriors to win the title and you know man i don't know that we'll ever get those opportunities again um you know yeah lebron can't cleveland years where it was you know again i get it i i just i never understood why a team like the patriots weren't priced as the warriors or the cavaliers during those years and i get it you know playoffs are it's a series versus a one game, anything can happen. Uh, but they should have been pretty equivalent in my mind.
1: Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, and yeah, the results would bear that out (laughs) as well. Uh, but yeah, the, um, you know, pretty clearly the top of the market is, is way overbought right now, and you can find some value as you look down the chart a little bit. And the Western Conference, again, is kind of a glut of relatively equal strength teams. Um, and if you can sort of tear them out and say, OK, well, these five teams, I think, all have a reasonable shot to win the West. I would put the Clippers and the Lakers in there. I would put the Warriors and the Rockets in there. And I would put the the Jazz and the Nuggets in there. I think those six teams are probably your proverbial, um, you know, co-favorites in the West. If you want to dock the Lakers because of the potential of injuries to Anthony Davis, I'm fine with that. If you want to dock the uh, Clippers because Paul George is coming off two shoulder surgeries and Kawhi Leonard is, you know, is, is going to be load management, you know, like crazy. And uh, you know, they, they may have, Uh, a little bit uh, of a, a, you know, lesser look than the market thinks right now. I'm fine with that. Um, And, you know, similarly with the warriors, if you want to, you know, point point to the fact that Steph Curry is going to have to carry this team through the regular season, and that's going to wear him down some significantly. uh, And then come April, it's going to be You know, he's going to have clay back, but you know, what good is, you know, a spent Steph Curry and, and Claire Thompson up against, you know, a series where you're going against Kawhi and Paul George, or, you know, LeBron and Anthony Davis, or, you know, the, the, the real sleeping giants probably are your, your jazz and your nuggets in the West, both teams priced in the, uh, kind of the 15 to one range. Uh, I, I, Got a little bit of nuggets at 20 to one earlier in the summer. I think 15 to one still has value for the nuggets. These teams have bonafide home field advantage, home court advantage because they play at altitude. They have built in advantage over the Western conference teams because they're more centrally located. So their travels, not as uh, not as tough as the likes of teams that are coming from the true West coast or from, you know, like uh, you know, Memphis or San Antonio. So they, uh, they have advantages to, to, potentially get one and two seed in the western conference which i like a lot uh and if you can get kind of 15 to 1 20 to 1 on those sort of on those you know the jazz and the nuggets i think you're going to be pretty happy seeing that price get shorter and shorter and seeing them you know find them find their way into the one and two seed in the west
0: Love the takes, man. All right, let's dig into this. I know we were talking about kind of some that you like, and I believe you have two overs that you really like and two unders. So, wherever you want to start, man, you tell me where we're going for this first regular season win total. And again, everything courtesy mybookie.ag.
1: Okay, so we just ca- talked a lot about the West. And, you know, again, the West is a dice roll, it's a crapshoot. A lot of good teams. And, oh, and by the way, in the wins totals market, your approach should be let's find unders. And I say that because They line, they line all these wins. And if you add them all up, you get more wins than are actually possible, which means if you just blind bet all the unders, uh, and you know, it granted you'd have to have, you know, even juice, which is not what you have. But if you just blind bet the unders in general, you're going to do fine, uh, in the NBA, uh, wins totals market, but we're going to be a little more sophisticated than that. Um, and, uh, we'll, we'll, I'll tell you that in general, because of the kind of the, the, um, cluster of equal strength teams in the West, it's a lot easier in my opinion to find value in the East. Um, and the East is interesting because there's some pr- pretty clear haves and have nots. And I'll talk about two good teams in the East that I think there are value on one over and one under, and then, uh, two bad teams in the East where I think there's value on one over and one under. Um, and I guess, which, what do you want to hear first? Do you want to go positive, good teams or, uh, or negative bad teams?
0: Let's get the veggies out of the way first. Let's go to some bad teams.
1: <laughs> okay. All right. This one is made. This one is spinach, broccoli, col- like Brussels sprouts, veggies, um, grossest play grossest play out there. <laughs> really? Uh, and it's uh, over with the Charlotte Hornets.
0: Ooh. Okay. Now here, hear me. I up. want to throw up. Already. Uh, I'm looking it.
1: at, I'm looking at, I'm looking at, I'm looking at a number that is, uh, that is a 23 now 23 is low. Like, in fact, it's like stupid law. You can luck your way into 10 wins in the NBA, even if you are specifically trying to lose uh, Allah, the, uh, the process Sixers were like, you know, eight to 12 win teams. Um, and 23 is not that much higher. In fact, if you kind of look through the years, that's like, that's like the, the fifth percentile. I mean, like that, that is the dead bottom of the league. And you look at the, the Hornets roster and Yeah, they don't have any stars. They lost Kemba Walker. People kind of associated him with being the heart and soul of that team. And now that he's gone, people are like, oh, well, the Hornets are going to be terrible. Well, they still have a lot of like reasonable, talented NBA players. Their problem isn't, you know, their problem beyond that they don't have a star is that they have a whole bunch of bad contracts. I'll tell you why that is important for an over is that they're not going to be able to gut this team and trade these guys. You know, Michael Jordan is not a competent GM, but he does have a competent coach. And he has a bunch of, you know, reasonably talented NBA players on a roster that he is not going to be able to move any of these guys because their contracts are such disasters. So this team is going to compete. They're going to have the opportunity to get wins. And there's really no incentive for them to tank because, you know, they've got to pay these guys anyway. They need to get fan engagement in Charlotte. They can't afford to, uh, you know, not be able to, you know, get the ticket revenue that comes along with, you know, paying all of these salaries. So the Charlotte Hornets, I think get to 30 wins pretty comfortably. I was shocked that this was 23. Um, they're not going to make the playoffs. They're not going to sniff the eight seed. Uh, they're not going to sniff the Southeastern title, um, but 23 wins is laughably low for a team that has some legitimately, some veteran talented players on the NBA. Like, like you, you go to other teams that are lined with like around 23, like the Cleveland Cavaliers, like they are God awful defensively. They are bringing in a college coach who has never coached in the NBA before and beeline. They have, their their primary ball handlers might be the two worst players across the entire NBA. At least, Colin Sexton last year was pretty clearly the worst, uh, the worst player who had meaningful you know you know touches across the league. Uh, and their so their youth is going to you know, and their youth and their defense are like huge huge red flags. They are going to lose a lot of games, but. I don't see the same thing with the Hornets. So the the Hornets look like a bad over spot to me. And 23, if you can find it out there is, is absolutely worth a sniff. Um, as far as a bad team that I like an under, we're going to go hard in the other direction, which is a garbage roster with one talented star that almost certainly is going to get traded. And that is the Washington wizards and Bradley Beal. Their total is 26 and a half. That is, is a slam dunk under because the likelihood that bill is on this team at the end of the season, I would say is in the ballpark of 50% or lower. He is on, he has one year left on his deal. This is the classic time across, you know, NBA players when they have one year left teams approach them. We'd like to extend you. He is, we're not going to see John wall this year. He is done playing with John Wall. Why you would want to play with you know the John Wall in that contract coming off of an Achilles is you know there's that's that's a no brainer. He would like to find a better situation, and a bunch of teams around the league could absolutely use him for a playoff push, especially in the Western Conference. So he is a perfect, perfect asset to seek out if you're trying to make you know secure your your uh, your future in the you know across the across this playoff space, and uh, and you know. Deal gets moved in January. This team, the next talent, most talented player in this team is a replacement level player. And uh, I could see an entire entirely see a scenario where uh, they come in with the most losses across all NBA teams this year. So I'll take under 26 on the Wizards in a heartbeat. Love
0: that, man. Look, so when we look down at this last year, right? Uh, starting with the Hornets, I mean they had 39 wins. You remove Kemba, you're telling me that that's fifteen wins <laughs> is Kemba worth yes. wins? <laughs> what? Yeah. I, I, huh?
1: <laughs> like, I mean, yeah, they replaced Kemba Walker with Terry Rozier, but and Terry Rozier is not a guy. I'm running out to you know really like stick my flag in. This guy's going to be great, but I, I mean, 13 wins? No way. Like, I, I, I mean, and to a degree. Kemba, like as good as he was, especially in fourth quarters, and as many as the wins you can attribute to his play specifically, we recognize how good he was in fourth quarters because he wasn't good in quarters one through three, really. In fact, his you know he de- he generally you know was driving the boat for them across those you know early parts of games and getting them in trouble because he couldn't shoot to save his life in first half. Uh, and you know, and any kind of uh, you know a fresh uh, fresh look with this team, they might be feisty. I don't again, I don't think they get a playoff spot, but 23 wins. I mean, they got that.
0: Yeah. The only three teams in the East last year to have under that was the Bulls 22 and 60, the Cavs 19 and 63. And again, the tanking Knicks at 17 and 65 who were entering the (laughs) Zion sweepstakes. So, um, certainly love that, man. What are the last two before we kind of go rapid fire for you? One over and one under uh, left, right?
1: Okay. Yeah. So at the top of the top of the league, uh, top of the Eastern conference, that is, um, the Sixers have really, really done a nice job. Oh, of was putting together go here. a super, super competitive team. This
0: is my favorite uh, play uh, on the board. And, and uh, a little spoiler to what's coming in player accolades uh, for me.
1: Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, yeah. 54 and a half wins is high. Yeah. The Sixers, you know, they have, you know, they, they have, um, you know, they have, they have some injury issues, I guess, with a bead. But all this said, um, their team is complete. They're I don't know if, have you seen any of their preseason games They are They are scary. This roster is scary. They came within a miracle Kauai shot of going to the Eastern conference finals last year. Uh, they lose Jimmy Butler to Miami, but he was a piece that never really fit anyway. Uh, they bring in Al Horford, who is a consistently underrated player across the NBA. Uh, and you think, Oh geez, look at all these big men. They got, you know, Embiid and Horford and Harris. No, that, that is a perfect recipe of space and bigs to play defense, to make threes. Like this is re- really going to be exciting to see these team, this team play and, you know, blindfold me and say how many wins does the Sixers squad get after, you know, seeing them play a couple of preseason games. I would have said 59, 60 in a heartbeat. I look at the total of 54 and I can't, I, 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 this is this one looks at least five wins off to me. Uh, and, uh, I would take an over 54 and a half on the uh, Sixers and be pretty happy with that.
0: I'm going to talk about more about the Sixers when it comes to uh, the next part of this, but I, I could not agree with you more. That is my favorite play on the board. Let's go to your last under before we do some rapid fire and takes when it comes to win totals or anything.
1: Yeah. So people kind of assume that the, East is going to come down to Sixers bucks and then maybe the Celtics. And then people kind of throw in the Pacers as maybe the fourth best team in the, in the East. I don't get that at all. In fact, I think the Pacers take a pretty sizable step back this year. They've lost some pretty important pieces that huge, just huge turnover overall on their roster. You have Oladipo coming back from a pretty gross injury. This is going to take them at least a couple months before they are looking like a plus 500 team. In my opinion, they're going to have some ugly losses early. I'm going to be fading the Pacers pretty early on game by game uh, because they just, they have a ton to figure out and they're overpriced right now. I'm telling you, this is uh, a Pacers team that is going to take months before they start to click. uh, And uh, I would say 47 and a half for them is wildly optimistic. I have them as a forty-win team. Uh, I think that they are borderline playoff teams. And I think if you kind of dig into how they played or, in, you know, in the towards the end of the season last year, how they played in the playoffs, uh, they get swept by the Celtics. They, you know, and honestly, like they were kind of competitive in a couple of those games, but that really wasn't a very competitive series. And, you know, you do a little bit more digging into how they looked after they lost Oladipo. And you kind of realize this is not a team that should be you know, in the, in the conversation with some of the better teams in the East. Uh, and so I'm, I'm looking for a fade on this Indiana Pacers team at 47 and a half. Uh, and, um, I, I, you know, I can't even really craft a narrative as to, you know, what has to happen for them to come together fast enough to, to really threaten this number, to be honest.
0: Yeah, man. It's funny. You said that, like, as you were framing that, And you were like, um, and the Pacers, I was kind of like, I don't know where he's going with this one, but I I hope you went in the direction that that I was hoping (laughs) you were going to go to with that Pacers team as well. That's
1: my perceived good team that I think is a great underlook. Yeah. So great, great, good team over on the Sixers, good team under on the Pacers, bad team over on the Hornets, bad team under on the Wizards.
0: All right, bro. Let's break down the East kind of rapid fire. I'm going to just going to throw, throw a season win total number out yet. Or you, if you have no, um, you know, no opinion on the specific number, give me just kind of your rapid fire takeaway about the 20, 19, uh, nineteen twenty twenty kind of version of this team. Or, oh, great or whatever idea. It is. Per-
1: perfect. Perfect.
0: All right. You want to go worst to first? Worst to first last year or opposite?
1: Oh, surprise me.
0: All right, let's go. We'll, go. we'll go. We'll start at the top. We'll go Milwaukee bucks uh, over under 56 and a half. <sighs>
1: I'm going to go under fifty-six and a half, but I'm going to tell you, that's your, uh, that's your Eastern conference champions. Ooh, I
0: like it. Uh, one thing I will say incredibly hard, unless your name is LeBron James or Kobe Bryant to win back-to-back MVPs. Um, oh, seriously. We'll, we'll get into that later. Uh, Toronto, we are looking at, how is this? Uh, This is 46 and a half. Yep.
1: Uh, Give me the under, give me the under on that too. I have a couple of friends who are pretty heavy duty into NBA handicapping who are really heavily invested in this Toronto under. I think they just, just on the kind of like the, the the championship championship fumes, uh, they may uh, scrape together a couple of wins. They're well coached with Dick nurse. um, But uh, the fact that Kawhi left them at the altar and the fact that they took on Uh, a bunch of vets who are getting long in the tooth last year to make that run possible, I think uh, sets up pretty well for them to underachieve this year. So give me under on Toronto.
0: We talked about Philadelphia. We're going to come back to them. Boston Celtics sitting at a nice, even 50 man. I mean, look, Boston guy here, we got to at least spend a little more than rapid fire on it. Brad, Stevens, disappointing year uh, Kyrie out Kemba in Gordon Hayward did not look the same post injury. Um, look, this always, you know, every conversation with Boston starts and ends with Brad Stevens. What's your take this year for them?
1: Yeah, I like over 50 and it's kind of believing still in Brad Stevens being an NBA, you know, being able to, to get the most out of his team. He's a legit coach. He's got, uh, he can get focus, focus out of his young crew. Uh, Kyrie Irving. I am, I will listen. To the arguments that he is addition by subtraction for this team. Right. Like he's clearly like an amazing player. And I laughed at a lot of the kind of hyperbole about, you know, how they were better off without him last year. But, Uh, With kind of people trying to find their roles and, you know, kind of the youth movement that they've got going in Boston, uh, I think it's potential that they look a little bit uh, a little bit less dysfunctional uh, over the duration of the season. They'll probably scrape together wins that they would that they may not deserve just on the basis of having brilliantly scripted end of game plays from Brad Stevens. So I'll take over 50 on them.
0: Does Jason Tatum enter the MVP conversation this year, and does Jordan Hayward get back to form last things on the Celtics?
1: Jason Tatum has a fatal flaw that's being exposed a little bit with his handle, um, and hopefully he's worked on that in the, post-season, in the offseason, um, but I haven't seen it in what we've seen from his play in international play or in the preseason so far. So I'm going to reserve judgment and uh, hope that they get that fixed. Basically, if you want to stop Tatum, you just make him go left. uh, And he can't really handle with his left hand the same way he can with his right hand. And as soon as he goes left, you can kind of swipe at the ball and you can create turnovers and that affects his confidence. He's like a confidence guy too. So I don't think uh, Tatum's in the conversation for MVP this year.
0: All right, man, we touched on the Pacers, the net sitting at 43. Is this team one win better than they were last year?
1: I don't think so. I think think actually the turnover on the roster, they're going to be without all of their net plus players. Like if you just look at who was on their roster last year, who had uh, a net, a positive net rating, they're all gone. Uh, and you're now building around Kyrie Irving. He's going to have to carry an enormous amount of the offensive load for this team. He can do that, um, but I would expect you see him slide defensively, uh, which means they're going to be vulnerable to uh, kind of attacking guards and you just have difficulty defending guards in general with this team is rostered. So they're going to lose some games that they should win otherwise, and I think under for this is a good look.
0: Uh, the magic again, talking about narrative, man, I don't even know what to ask you about this team. It's just largely <laughs> kind of middle of the road in a middle of the road, Eastern conference. You have anything on 40 and a half.
1: Yeah, I think over for the magic and granted, like I could be doing a little bit of, um, you know, this could be a little cognitive bias from my you know point of view. Cause I want a pretty. I want a humongous future on them at eight to one last year to win the Southeast Uh, and down the stretch, you know, last half of the season last year, they were one of the better playing teams in the NBA. Uh, Now granted they got career years from the likes of Vuk, Uh, Vucevic uh, career year from uh, DJ Augustin. Uh, And if either of those guys slides back to like their sort of normal state of play, then this is probably a 40 win team. Uh, But um, overall, I like their coaching. I like their, I like the chemistry that they showed down the stretch last year. And I think they take another step forward. They look pretty like a pretty solid Eastern conference playoff team to me. uh, And 42 to 44 wins is where I'm uh, projecting them.
0: As I'm looking at this, man, I want to point one thing out that I don't know that I've seen this big of a a split uh, with these kind of seven, eight, nine teams. And uh, this is really interesting to me, right? So the magic at home last year, 25 and 16 on the road, 17 and 24. Our next team, the Detroit Pistons, 26 and 15 at home, 15 and 26 on the road. The Charlotte Hornets, 25 and 16 at home, 14 and 27 on the road. Anything to make there? Well,
1: they are all teams that I had kind of flagged as suffering pretty seriously from not managing their player load distribution very well. Um, They were playing like they could just kind of were when they were in, they didn't wave the white flag. Basically when they were in disadvantage situations, they just tried to force their players out there and tried to get wins regardless and got everybody super tired on these road trips and just stunk uh, when they were on the road. Uh, Pistons were really at the top of that list. They were, they were the biggest disparity across all the teams last year when they had rest disadvantage. Um, And uh, I would expect that, um, you know, with as much as being made of, of how important rest is, uh, and, you know, load management in the NBA nowadays, maybe they make us take a step forward, um, and, uh, play a little bit better on the road. Um, but you know, home field advantage is decaying across all sports in general, um, because the teams are getting smarter and because the leagues are, you know, brainwashing their referees to give the, you know, try to except for the, uh, you know, Clay Clay Blakeman's crew, uh, you know, leagues are not giving huge home field uh, calls anymore. The refs aren't. So um, I would expect those numbers to come back closer to 500.
0: All right, man. Bulls looking at 33 and a half. Um, Again, we can kind of lump these three teams together. I think we'll do the Knicks kind of lastly, but you know, Bulls and Cavs, man, you know, with their draft class, anything that gives you either optimism or like, don't like what they did. Bulls again, 33 and a half and the Cavaliers sitting at 24 and a half.
1: I like the Bulls nucleus. I would say over for them. I like their youth, their, their youth nucleus is, uh, less ball handlers and more big men. Uh, whereas the Cavs youth nucleus is ball handlers, which is a problem. Uh, so I would look for over on the Bulls and under on the Cavs, but I don't have super strong feelings about either of those two.
0: Forgot about the Hawks. Is Trey Young the next Steph Curry? Second
1: year, a little spooky to expect him to do just as well. We saw, you know, I think, uh, um, Donovan Mitchell is probably your comp in terms of taking a step back after a pretty impressive rookie year. And, uh, I would be a little concerned backing it over on the Hawks. They seem like a team. People are a little bit uh, too enthusiastic about that may underachieve
0: last one in the East before we break down some other stuff, man. That is the New York Knicks. How could we not talk about the losers of the Zion sweepstakes at 27 and a half? That isn't are they 11 games better with Barrett and kind of everything else that they've either brought or lost in your opinion? I don't
1: think so. <laughs> I think the Knicks, the Knicks still stink. Uh, they didn't just lose the Zion sweepstakes. They lost the Kevin Durant sweepstakes. They lost the Kyrie Irving sweepstakes. They got, uh, they wanted like a, a couple of uh, blue chip players and they got a, you know, they got a whole bunch of uh, uh, free agents who I don't know that they mesh particularly well. I don't love Fisdale's system or scheme. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised at all if it's pretty clear they are not in the playoff you know, hunt, uh, and you know, management and the organization takes them down the road of, uh, positioning themselves for a draft pick. So I would look for Andre on the Knicks.
0: Let's, uh, let's do this. We'll for format, man, let's just, we'll, we'll kind of wrap up the East with this, man. I want to know who, at the end of the day, who is the best, you know, who do you think ends up value aside, price aside, winning the East and give me one that is the best value to me. I'm going to go Sixers win the East. The price is bad at plus 155. Um, but I also think if you want the value play, I think the Celtics at almost, you know, six and a half to one, sir. I look, I, am I a homer for this team? Yeah, probably. Uh, but when you talk about coaching, uh, you know, maybe the addition by, like, I just feel like the narrative is there, uh, for, would you be shocked if the Celtics are in game seven of the Eastern conference finals this year? Absolutely not. When you look across the board on price, I think that's the best one of the most likely narratives.
1: Yeah, I would actually, I'm going to steer clear of any value probably in the East. I think that the Eastern conference finals is Bucks sixers. And I can't really make a case for any, like I I can see what you're saying. If there's any team, it's the Celtics, but the, they match up. They just don't have the right matchup for either Giannis or Embiid at all. Uh, and you know, especially if, if if uh, Ben Simmons emerges, if, uh, uh, if we get the same level of play from the supporting cast around Giannis, uh, the Celtics are in trouble in that second round of the playoffs. Um, I'm going to take the bucks, in the East, I think you see a step forward from Giannis from even an MVP level, uh, especially in the spring. Um, I think, uh, he was pretty clearly playing for the MVP last year, put a little bit too many miles on his body over the course of the regular season. Didn't quite have enough to get them over the line against the the Raptors in the playoffs. And you know, you don't, it's, there's always kind of a, a progression in the NBA. You don't just go out and win your first playoff series and then go on and go to the finals and the bucks last year won their first ever playoff series when in the Giannis, uh, re, you know, in the Giannis era. Uh, and I would expect that, uh, they take the next uh, step forward this year and go from, uh, conference finalists to conference champions.
0: Love that take, man. We're going to switch over to the West. And as always, if you want to get down on any of these over-unders, futures, MVPs that we're going to talk about, head on over to mybookie.ag, the supporting sponsor of the Inside Vegas Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. And as always... $1,000 is yours in free bets with that promo code SGP. And you know you're already shopping at Amazon. Head on over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com, click the Amazon banner, bookmark that link, help support the podcast, and of course, get yourself a nice Inside Vegas t-shirt, man. Let's go to the West. Man, this, if that was, if, uh, you know, we can kind of call the East Nick at night. I think the West is HBO, bro. This one is so much better. So much more to to (laughs) kind of break down and talk about, we did kind of, you know, the, the ones that you feel very strongly about. So I think we'll just kind of, I mean, let's talk the narrative of it. You know, I think it starts and ends. Of course, we've touched on the Warriors throughout, but let's talk about, let's pick a team out of here, you know, in the Rockets with what they have done, man. And is it enough, you know, with the trade and bringing in, you know, um, Russell Westbrook, yet losing, you know, in CB3. Um, I think that the, uh, Pelicans is obviously another one that there's so much to talk about there, but let's start with Houston kind of what's your take on what they did.
1: I have gone back and forth on them because at first I was like, you're screwed. Chris Paul is an albatross. You're never going to get rid of this contract. They're never going to, you're going to squander the best of the James Harden years. I'm not even sure. Harden is the guy with the constitution to do well in the playoffs. Anyway, I think we kind of have a lot of data on that. Although we also haven't ever seen him on a team that has a legitimate second banana that can carry the offensive load through the regular season. So it's, you know, I was kind of like, Oh, okay. you you got rid of this Chris Paul disaster, but you brought on a, a Russell Westbrook contract disaster. That is, should make them better in the short term that should make them more competitive and they were you know they were competitive against the warriors last year obviously warriors in the absence of durant like they were still competitive and i would have said uh you know this is this is their time right like this is this should be their moment um but now with the mori china nonsense this is such a distraction the front office is going to be in chaos more. I would be shocked if he makes it through the series season, just based on, you know, the, the financial damage that he's exacted upon the value of the franchise. Um, even though he's, you know, a guy that I especially love his approach. And I think he's a great basketball mind. I'm, you know, this is, he's opened up Pandora's box as far as, you know, NBA revenues. And this is a potential to be a, a, an issue for the, the rockets overall in terms of, you know, the narrative surrounding the team this year, I, you know, it's in, I, I just, you hate distractions like this. You would much rather this, uh, you know, be focused on, you know, Hey, do we finally have two superstars that can, you know, give each other the, you know, the, the rest they need over the course of the season so that they're both, you know, firing on all cylinders come April. Uh, but instead, it's going to be more about, you know, hey, look, is do we need to you know get rid of Daryl Morey here because we're not, you know, our franchise is in free fall. So it's uh, it's tough to really be as bullish as I would like to be on this Rockets team, um, because I do think that uh, this was a good move to bring in Westbrook. And I do think that they're, the rest of the pieces around them are good enough uh, to to kind of differentiate themselves in the Western conference playoffs. Um, the only thing that I'm not in love with uh, about the Rockets is the head coach. Mike D'Antoni does not know how to make the best adjustments in a playoff series. That's a problem. That's kind of a fatal flaw, really. Uh, and uh, if you're going up against, you know, the likes of, you know, Kawhi Leonard and Doc Rivers in the Western conference finals, you're in, you're in a little bit of trouble if you're, uh, you know, if you're Mike D'Antoni, you count on Mike D'Antoni. Dan Mike Dan tony to find the uh the correct adjustments
0: man let's start at the top for everything else let's start with where else the golden state warriors sitting at this number of my god man when's the last time we saw this 49 and a half juice towards the under in some spots man uh It seems fairly obvious to talk about this narrative, but, you know, what do you make of this number, you know, based on everything that they have lost, the injuries, uh, you know, Kerr as a whole, I think there is a narrative that Curry just goes into FU mode and takes back the team. But uh, what do you think about this team and this number at 49 and a half?
1: It's an underlook only on the basis of, I think, that teams around the league, as we were kind of talking at the beginning, I think there's a chance that teams around the league use this season to exact a little revenge on the Warriors. Um, They're in a new arena in San Francisco, they are going to be asking a lot of Steph Curry, uh, to carry them offensively. And he's got the goods. Um, but, uh, you know, he was worked pretty hard last year in the playoffs. He got them to the brink by himself before he, you know, the, the, um, you know, the task of carrying the team became too heavy for him. Uh, and the fact that he had to go that distance and be the guy Last year in the playoffs, I think has a little bit of a shadow into this season. And you see, you know, you see potentially a little bit less than expected play level of play from him in the months of uh, October, November, maybe even December. And, uh, you know, they're going to be counting on an earlier and healthier return than I think is reasonable to be expected from clay Thompson. Uh, and, uh, even if clay does come back and is healthy and, you know, they still have a lot of holes in this relatively thin roster. Uh, I really thought D'Angelo Russell was a temporary move. Like they got that, uh, they got that as a piece back in losing Kevin Durant. And I figured that they would flip him for like a, like a wing defender, kind of like a Robert Covington kind of a player. Um, but it looks like they're going to run him out there and try to make it work with Steph Curry, which is really not a great fit in my opinion. Um, you know, when, when the Rockets went out and got Chris Paul to pair with Harden, it was like, huh? Like d- there's only one ball, right? Isn't that the and same thing with Westbrook a,
0: now, though? I mean, we've seen this, <laughs> well, m- this play out before. I,
1: you, you think you would think, but the uh, Westbrook's strengths are a little bit different, right? Like he's, you know, this the, the West Westbrook on the Rockets with the shooters they have with Harden on the floor is going to have access to the rim. Like we haven't ever seen with the Westbrook team before. Um, and just the fact that you have so many other shooters that can score and they can carry the offensive load on the rockets, uh, you can kind of heal what is his critical flaw, which is his game, you know, his shooting. Um, you don't have to, you know, he doesn't have to shoot. He doesn't have to do that. So it's you're right in that. Yeah. There's only one ball Mm -hmm. who's going to create, is it going to be a or B? Um, but uh, they're complementary enough in terms of skill sets what they're good what they're good at that I think um I think it's a fine pairing compared to what Chris Paul and, and Harden had. And I think uh you know D'Angelo Russell and and uh uh Steph Curry is a little bit of a mismatch as far as a pairing goes. And so I'd like to see them make a move uh once you get to uh, I think I think he has to be on the roster until like twenty twenty. So, like, some like in January, sometime they can start talking about trading him. Um, but uh, it's not looking like a great fit the way I see these players playing together. Next so, team. anyway, I'd I would look for an under.
0: Yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> I have no idea on that team, man. Like, there's just so many different ranges of outcomes that I want no part of it for the first time in my betting NBA life. But I do think that you're going to like this next team because this team is. I feel like you always like the guys who are in the middle of the, or the teams that are in the middle of the pack and, and make that move, man. And that is the Denver Nuggets sitting at fifty three. Are they one game worse than they were last year? I guess is the question.
1: I don't think so, honestly. Uh, they got home field advantage with the altitude. They have uh, a favorable schedule, um, and they have uh, an emerging superstar, Nikola Jokic. Uh, they they have a deep team too, and it's weird because they have guys like. Murray, who they view as untradeable, right. But if you could move Murray for a guy like Bradley Beal and put Beal and Jokic together, like now you're the Western conference, you know, uh, favorites in my opinion. So I would like to see them be a little bit creative with their roster uh, movements and and try to be a, be a little bit aggressive and and see if they can make a deal for Beal. Um, But Jokic is good enough to carry a team through a playoff series. He showed us that against uh the um you know against the spurs and he should have closed out that series against the trailblazers last year um but uh, just the fact that he was able to play as many minutes and carry as much of the load as he did without really showing any wear or tear in the playoffs last year was a huge sign for them i think they're absolutely live in the west uh and i would lean slightly over on their team win totals because uh, just because of their home field, home court advantage and their uh, uh their schedule
0: I wanted no part of this uh, Portland Trailbazers team, and I was hoping for a number that was kind of equal to last year. But, man, they're trying to tempt me with that 47 number. I don't they know. are. <laughs> right?
1: Know it. I same exact read. I was going to stay way away from these guys, but that's an bettable over, I think.
0: Yeah. Uh, man, I, I wanted to fade them. Like, this is the Nebraska team total for the year. This is the um, – which other one was kind of t- uh, – like, San Francisco, um, like <laughs> – this one is just the old, like they are begging you to take that over and I still don't know if I can do it because they I do think that they regress and I do think they regress a lot. There's a lot of outcomes, but man, it's they got they hung a good number. Of props, I'll Yeah,
1: they did, and they have they have the star power. They have the you know guys that can create shots and score at the end of the game. They got more than one, uh, and they have a decent coach. I think you have to look over after, or or stay away from this one.
0: What the hell happened with the Oklahoma city thunder? My man, we are sitting at a three and a half from 49 last year. All of a sudden this team is blown up and I don't even know where they stand in this league. What, what do you do with that number?
1: Well, uh, they have all the draft picks for like the 2021 draft. So hopefully for them, <laughs> yeah. that's a good draft class. Uh, I have no idea. Um, and I would say the general temperature in Oklahoma is cautious optimism. Um, I'm looking for an under, if anything, here, just because I think Chris Paul's done, uh, and I think they are going to force him to play out his contract. Uh, They're not the kind of team that does buyouts. They're not the kind of team that's just going to eat salary and let them go find, you know, a home in LA. Uh, So they're going to force him to play. And he doesn't look like he's really in, you know, the mental or game shape to be a major contributor on an NBA team at this point in time. So I think that's going to drag them down like an anchor. Uh, And beyond that, like they have a lot of other pieces that they're trying to figure out. Like, what do we do with these guys? Like Steven Adams and uh, you know, and some of their wing defenders, like those are again, like, they could just take this thing apart piece by piece and just have Chris Paul and four scrubs go out there and play out their season uh, and just you know continue to position themselves for the future. And it wouldn't totally surprise me
0: if there's one thing I learned in the NBA, much like the St. Louis Cardinals in the MLB, you take the over on the Spurs. I will say, though, very interesting uh, kind of splits here, man. They were 32 and nine at home. Their road record, 16 and 25. Is it just the auto blind bet to the over as it is every year with you or is there more than what meets the eye here?
1: I think there's a little more than what meets CI. They don't have a very talented roster and pop looked a little checked out over a lot of last season, uh, shocking that he couldn't get that, uh, that team, uh, to beat a completely inexperienced nuggets team in the playoffs. Um, but it speaks to just, they don't have the superstars. Lamarcus Marcus Aldridge isn't, isn't the guy, De, you know, DeRozan, isn't the guy, uh, the young players that you expected to step up and like surprise and be great aren't. You know, really making the leap that uh, you would expect from the typical Spurs team. So it may just be that they've had enough attrition in the front office, different other teams poaching them, uh, and they have uh, you know a Popovich who's at the very late stages of his career, maybe not uh, not putting in as much of uh, as much homework as he needs to. You know, burning the midnight oil, preparing for you know teams and matchups and game plans or something. I'm I'm speculating here, but uh, I'm a little little nervous that the Spurs underperform this year. I. I penciled in under 47 just because I'm projecting 40, 47 and a half, I'm projecting 46 for them, uh, but it's pretty tight. And I think it kind of depends a lot more on, uh, how they, um, you know, how they develop some of their younger talent if they can. And, you know, they're, they're, they're thinking outside the box in terms of rostering coaches. They've got a couple of, uh, you know, former WNBA players that they brought in and they're really trying to push the envelope and, you know, that's good, good for them on that front, but, uh, I think, uh, we have yet, we, we have to see this uh, work before we buy into it,
0: man. I love fading hype, but I, you know, props to odds makers again, for setting a good number on this Clippers team, man, when I look at this, right, they went 48 last year with, you know, not a lot there, to be frank. And all of a sudden, 54 and a half, it's, it's what, seven wins. I can definitely see why there's, why they would be seven wins better this year. I wanted to go against the hype, but I just, it looks a little short to me. And, and I mean, man, it is incredibly juiced towards the end or minus 150 in some shops. Uh, I get that. I'm sure that will be the professional side shorting that stock at the highest. But um, much like Portland, man, uh, they're asking you to take that over, I think.
1: Yeah, I got to go the other way, though. There's a lot that they need to figure out, and I don't know how much we're going to see Paul George play, especially early in the season, because he's coming off two shoulder surgeries. They need him to be a shooter and play at the level he played for Oklahoma City last year, which uh, is probably best case scenario. We see that in the spring. Uh definitely not gonna see that in October or November in my opinion. Kawhi Leonard, same sort of thing. He's you know, he's going full on load management here. He got his title last year. He's got, you know, a home in LA that he's happy, you know. N- there's really nothing for him to prove this year. He can let some of the pieces around them develop and let Doc Rivers figure out how best to use this team. There's a lot of room for experimentation here. And uh I kind of expect that uh Come the playoffs, they'll be dangerous, but it wouldn't shock me to see them going as a six, seven, eight seed.
0: Next one up. I mean, this is going to be everyone's... We talked about this, I believe, on, on last year's pod that we probably did together. Man, there was two outcomes for LeBron, and he just showed you know, <laughs> there was either uh FU tour or he takes a year off, gets acclimated in LA, works on his other businesses and the season goes, you know, very very poorly. I don't think that that was a, you know a shock that it was just the 50-50 coin flip proposition and it just ended up to be that side. Um this year though, I mean man, 51 and a half you're talking from a 37 win team. I guess based on, you know, banking on LeBron coming, you know, actually wanting to play basketball this year and this uh, look, there's a couple things that um that are not good for my health, but I'm going to do them anyway. And that's Anthony Davis MVP. But if you're telling me I'm, I have to be tied financially to that guy in any other way than a plus money payout, you know, in big odds like MVP, uh, I don't want any part of it. And I just, I can't, his health is, I've never really seen a a player break down no matter what already dealing with a finger injury. Uh, I want no part (laughs) of this and I would have to go under that 51.
1: Yeah, I think I would lean that way too. And I'm going to stay away from this as in the betting markets. But if I was going to play anything, I would look under, uh, I think they did fine. I mean, they did good job getting Anthony Davis. Uh, you need him. But, you know, I would expect that we see LeBron continue to get older, be an injury risk. And, uh, his offensive game is slipping. Uh, as you just kind of look through the last five years and You know, it's, it's a, it's a reach, but you know, I don't know that we'll see the level we saw from LeBron when he was on the Cavaliers again, uh, in the NBA. And, um, you know, this is going to have to be Anthony Davis carries this team, which is tough when he's an injury risk on any given night. Uh, I think they did well, not getting a third superstar, but instead distributing that, um, cap to a bunch of role players. Uh, it it was it was going to be like a super, super combustible, fragile, dangerous team. If they had had three superstars and a bunch of scrubs. Um, but as it is now, you know, I I have fair respect for Kuzma's offensive game. Uh, I think, uh, you know, some of the pieces around them can play, uh, better than last year's LeBron supporting cast that that was awful. Um, they've turned over the right pieces in that respect, I think. Um, but yeah, this is this is an underlook for the Lakers and, you know, I hope they make the playoffs, but I don't think they get to 52 wins.
0: The rest of the teams, man, I don't think there's a ton to talk about. We can kind of go through them if you want. But Timberwolves, Grizzlies, um, Mavericks, Suns.
1: No read on those two.
0: Yeah. The one I do want to say...
1: Forget that they're teams.
0: Yeah, right. This is the one team that I think is probably one of my favorite um, over-unders, aside from the ones that we talked about. And I want to talk about this Pelicans team. Everyone's going to talk about Zion. I I get that. I mean, 39 and a half. I I think that with ball at, you know, going from 33 wins to basically uh, seven more men... I really, this, maybe this this will be out there and people can laugh at it, but I like Lon, what I've seen out of Lonzo Ball, distancing himself from the family. The kid's growing up kind of in front of people's eyes, and um, some of the stuff that's been out there, man, he has done everything kind of the right way to at least, you know, admit what was going on and kind of distance himself. And And I really do think that this Pelicans team can surprise some people. I, I wish they were in the East, but, um, you know, climbing towards that, you know, 10-9-8 spot in the West, we've seen teams do it again. You know, the Kings at 9, their season win total last year was like 23. Clippers kind of coming up. Um, you know, we've seen this leap may, be made before. Uh, I do worry about the, you know, fragility, we'll call it of a guy like Zion. Um, but if Balt can kind of take that next step with this team and I really like what they've done there. So that over will be the only one that, um, you know, at least have a heavy opinion on, uh, the, other than the ones that we talked about. You have anything with that team?
1: Yeah, they have a super, super strong nucleus. Uh, they, the, all of their draft picks look like winners. Uh, they, they hit, they hit it out of the park in, uh, in terms of like pivoting, reconstructing a team on the fly. Um, I don't love the coach. I don't, you know, I don't totally, uh, believe in the vets on this team, but, um, they're good. They're good. And they should get to uh, 39 is tight though, man. Yeah. It's really tight. I, I, if I'm projecting like 38 to 40, depending on, you know, how, good Zion ends up being uh, and uh, I think it's going to be pretty tight.
0: What a segue my friend rookie of the year. This is we're going to break this one down. We're going to do MVP. I'm going to throw some odds at you and I'll again uh kind of value play that could shorten in the year or who kind of wins it outright price aside zion of course the favorite minus 145 john morant plus 380 rj barrett plus 580 michael porter uh 32 to 1 garland 23 to 1 and on down through the line if there's anyone else that you want to uh, kind of talk about we can certainly throw that out here but uh putting you on the spot who takes it down and who's the biggest value on the board <laughs>
1: man this is the hardest market to cap because there's a lot of good players in here and i think when it comes to rookie of the year you obviously you need skill and talent but you also need opportunity um and i think the only guy that really pops is rj barrett just because of the load he's going to have to carry for the knicks and the fact that he's just going to be compiling massive stats right like he's gonna he's gonna be able to get assists rebounds and he's going to have to score points. So, uh it's it's a it's an RJ Barrett look for me here, but it's it's kind of soft because I don't totally love him as a player. Uh I just think that uh you know, the fact that he's in a major media market like New York will draw draw eyeballs and you know, they need some kind of hope. They need some kind of uh, you know, f- good feeling coming out of uh, the tank that they did last year and if that's uh if that's born out of an RJ rookie of the year award, I wouldn't be surprised.
0: I will say this, man, if you want, my value play on this is Michael Porter Jr. You're talking about a guy who was one of, you know, had he come out, um, you know, injury stuff aside and had things broke a little bit different, he was largely regarded as the number one pick a couple of years ago. And at 32 uh, to one, you know, in that system, man, I I absolutely love that look. Um, You know, again, talking about playing on a good team, all that type of stuff. um, I absolutely love that price. That's that would be my value one. uh, But I certainly agree with you on that. Next, we're going to move to my favorite, man, to wrap things up on this NBA preview. This is the MVP of the league, man. And fun little fact here, four for four my last four years on MVP picks on uh, putting that out there. Now, how am I able to do that? Not telling you I'm clairvoyant and I could see the future. It's narrative. (laughs) The NBA is the opposite of the NFL. and. I love this because it is who takes the biggest step forward and who does the most for their team. It it is the quintessential narrative. It's a soap opera and I can just kind of, you can see these things coming. Um, you know, a, a big portion of this, again, it's not that I'm just picking one out here. There's usually, you know, two or three in there. And I will say, you know, the number one thing that I've always kind of looked look, looked for is a player that's, you know, was sharing the load, maybe a part of a, a big two, a big three, and kind of goes on their own. That's a reason why I did, you know, put in that Kyrie ticket. The narrative was certainly there. Uh, once he distanced himself from LeBron, obviously didn't work out there. But Giannis, um, you could see the writing on the wall, you know, the breakout for Westbrook, for Harden. It, it's really, it should be called kind of the biggest breakout and so for me, man, I, I, this one is probably one of my favorites, um, in many, many years. So I'm going to lead off with my pick and then I'm going to ask you for one or two as well. I have to go Ben Simmons at mm. this price, man. It is absolutely incredible. Is that a plus 1100 plus 11,000? Yeah. Okay. Yep.
1: 110 to
0: uh, one. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I don't think I have ever been more in love with a price and a player. Look, you want, you want to criticize the, the scoring, the jump shot. Guess who else couldn't shoot and could, didn't have a great jump shot who won the MVP last year? His name is Giannis. If the if things break right for Philadelphia, he's going to be the catalyst. He's going to break out. And this is, yeah. I could see this written in the stars, my friend. This, this is probably one of my favorites out there in a very long time. I get, you know, you could also look at Embiid at 14 to 1. Uh, does a little, I don't know that Embiid's going to get there unless, you know, something happened, you know, Draymond, I think is much more valuable and does more. It just doesn't always show up, uh, show up on the stat sheet. Uh, but I don't know that I've loved the number more in the NBA when it comes to MVP Ben Simmons, 110 to one. What's yours, man?
1: Well, that's a good look. It's a really, really, really good look. And the number is stupid. Um, I mean, just look at some of the other numbers out there. Like Donovan Mitchell is 60 to one. like, There's no, there's, you know, there's no way Mitchell's making the leap uh, to being that good. Although I like the jazz overall, Uh, the, the Ben Simmons, all he has to do is be the best player on the one seed, which looks like a very strong likelihood uh, that, that the Sixers are going to be the one seed, which just means he has to be considered the best player. He has to put up stats. He has to score a little more than he did last year. And, you know, if anything happens to him beat at all, like, you know, we've, we've seen a lot of reports that, you know, he was working out more in the offseason and he's getting in better shape. And, like, people are drawing conclusions that, oh, that means he's going to be a more effective regular season presence. That doesn't always go that way. Like, sometimes you're, you know, you put your body through the rigors instead of letting it recover in the offseason. You, you know, you're at more of an injury risk. So I can entirely see a scenario where Ben Simmons has to carry the Sixers through a majority of this season. Uh, and if he does so and it compiles those wins and gets the one seed in Philly, uh, he already has won the rookie of the year. So voters are kind of already conditioned to, oh yeah, we voted for this guy to win an award. Like he doesn't have to make the leap from never not getting any votes last year to getting the most votes this year. Like like I can entirely see a scenario play out where he, uh, where he does win and that 110 to one is a really bad price. I'm
0: looking around again, that is, I well, we may have <laughs> to uh, a- put a little deposit in here to my Cause I'm looking around town and through my fleet of, uh, let's, let's call them local bo- establishments here. And I'm seeing 35 to 80. This price is all over the place. I can't believe what they're uh, offering right now. And that's amazing.
1: That's crazy, man. Um, I guess I'll make a case for, I mean, the, the best price by far is, is, is Ben Simmons. It's not close. I'll make a case for uh, I was prepared to Nikola give that at like Jokic, 35
0: so. to 1, by the way. I, my eyes just lit up when oh, I yeah, saw that at sure. my bookie. ag For sure. I think I have it's 80 crazy. to 1 in hand it's somewhere. It's crazy. Though. I mean,
1: I, I was there's value on him down to probably 50 to 1. Ben Simmons. If you're, if you're shopping and you're like, shoot, this is all I have access to. I, I think there's value on Ben Simmons down to probably 50 to one. Um, I'm going to take a swing at, uh, Nikolai, Nikolai.
0: I Jokic. knew you were going there
1: just because I think, I, I mean, you break down, the you break down the market, you have to be the one or two seed. Uh, and I think that the, the, the team that I would have the highest confidence in the West of getting a one or two seed would be Denver. Um, just because of the completeness of the team and the fact that they were able to compile the wins and get to, you know, the second round of the playoffs last year, like they're coming together, they're well coached, they have depth, uh, they can, you know, like they can sustain a couple injuries to role players and Jokic himself has all of the tools. He's going to be a force, you know, he's like, he, you know, this, he could, he could put up uh, the type of season where, you know, no one can really stop him on the offensive side of things, except for maybe Gobert. Rudy Gobert is probably the only guy that matches up well uh, to stop him defensively. So he's going to have his way and put up whatever stats he wants. And he's a, you know, he's such a huge guy that he can just sustain the rigors of an 82 game season and, and, uh, and just do more than the other guys. So I'll look, uh, I'll look for Jokic as a guy that I think makes a leap this year and a fair price, 13 to one. Um, cause I mean honestly, like I think your one and two seed in the east are pretty clearly Sixers bucks. So pick a Sixer, pick a buck. Well, Giannis no one else besides Giannis is a candidate on the bucks. His price is way short. And honestly, he has to step his game up because if he doesn't at least meet the you know, the number of minutes played and points scored and all that stuff, you know, voters are gonna ding him this year. Um and uh we you know we talked about the Sixers already and in the West you know, I think pretty clearly you can cross off the Lakers, you can cross off the Clippers from getting a one or two seed just because of the way that those teams are rostered and how they're going to have to get through their season. Um, I would look for someone on the Jazz or Nuggets. I think those are your one and two seeds in the West. Uh, you take and on the uh, that's freaking hard. They are <laughs> so balanced. I mean, honestly, and and really, like the guy that makes them tick is Gobert defensively. But he's not an MVP candidate because he can't compile stats. And so, I mean, I guess if anyone, you're probably looking for Donovan Mitchell, but his play dipped so seriously last year. People don't really even realize it because they just remember him competing with Ben Simmons for rookie of the year two seasons ago. He had such a spectacular breakout season as a rookie, uh, but he's going to need to get over the sophomore slump and then some. Uh, to be considered a reasonable you know, candidate on the Jazz, I think people are going to look at the Jazz with you know fifty six, fifty eight wins or whatever you know in the in the one or two seed and think, oh yeah, well they got there because of Go Bears defense. Let's give him Defensive Player of the Year. I don't think they're going to get anyone that really merits any MVP consideration.
0: Last one I will throw out there, man. I think there's a narrative that if this happens, I like I said, I don't want to be tied to a season win total, but I will certainly take some twenty five to one to get there if it does happen, and if. Portland takes that next step. A guy like Damian Lillard, his breakout, you know, kind of tour has that is written all over him to me. That would be the last one that I would throw out there.
1: That's 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 logical. That's reasonable. That's rational. <laughs> I can see that.
0: Uh, yeah. man, we, this one went long, but I think this was, again, I, I absolutely love the narrative side of stuff. And I guess I always wonder why I don't do this kind of, you know, dive into more of the NBA. Um, this, the spreads kind of get me and the fade, the public narratives and all that. So I absolutely love the futures market. We're kind of opposite, man. I do much more in that. And you kind of do the in season, anything else, uh, you want to touch on with this, uh, NBA season, any odds, anything that we didn't touch on anything else?
1: I think we, just, we killed it, man. Uh, I, I guess just If there's only if you're only gonna let me place one bet before the season starts, it's gonna be Bucks to win the East. That's probably the only thing I I see across the relatively high confidence plays that I have that I think is like a really like a nice price that you you could you could live with that for a full season. Like it's not it's not as good as you know it's not as good as uh, Warriors to win the West has been in years past, but it's pretty damn good.
0: Love it, bro. Where can people find you? What's going on on the Deep Dive this upcoming week? Again, we're recording this one a little bit early because I'm going to be out of here. Oh, for a bit. What's going on with you? Deepdivemedia.co. Twitter, the floor is yours.
1: We are just crushing through the NFL season at this point. We uh, are going to break down week seven of the NFL card next week. It's shaping up to be uh, a winning season for us. We're pretty fired up. Uh, good read on a lot of teams right now. Uh, good competitive game, handicap week seven. So check out the deep dive podcast for that. And, uh, if, you know, if you haven't already, like the super, we are really enjoying the uh, halftime periscopes, uh, primetime games, the, um, the national broadcast for the primetime games are horrific at halftime. Uh, and they certainly don't talk about halftime betting angles. Uh, So tune into uh, the halftime Periscopes and, you know, we'll find some winners for you for the second half of these primetime games.
0: Love it, man. Again, check them out on Twitter at whale underscore capper. Thank you so much, man. and, And cheers to a profitable NBA season. I know you'll be doing much more of it than me in game and in season, but good luck with everything you got upcoming, man.
1: Sounds great, man. Best of luck to you this season as well.